Well, folks, I'm really expecting for this morning, and um, isn't God amazing? I was just sitting here doing the, the music and thinking how often we forget how great God is. Um, I read a statistic a couple of months ago because I had to do a talk here in this hall to a group of grade sevens, and I was speaking to them about light and how incredible God is. And if my memory serves me correctly, light travels at the speed of 330,000 kilometers a second. That means it can go around the earth seven times in one, min- in one second. And I mean, just think about that. That's, that smokles your brain a bit. Seven times in one second. Now, that's our God. And that's one of the things that he can do. And I want to encourage you this morning, please do not forget about the God that you serve. He's not just a God that has created the universe and who can do incredible things, but he wants to be in relationship with you. And he is interested in your life. The word that Eugene shared, thank you for that, Eugene, helped back up my message a bit. What I'm saying today is that God is after your heart, not about what you can do for him. My son was doing his homework, Josh, my oldest son, and I heard him speaking from his room. And he was there by himself, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> he was just chatting and then laughing. <sighs> Why don't we try this, you know? And I'm like, okay. and I pop my head around, and then I see he's got his headset on, but he's doing uh, an assignment with his friend who stays five kilometers away and they're working on Google Drive together. For any of you who love Google and online stuff, so they don't get together these days to do your homework. They work from their bedrooms in their pajamas in the comfort of their own home and they work on Google Drive. So yeah, they were working on the same assignment but from different locations. So I felt like Eugene tapped into my heavenly Google Drive (laughs) yesterday while I was preparing. But isn't God amazing? And he knows what you need to hear this morning. So please turn to the book of Jonah. It's page 637 in my Bible, if that helps you. It's after Psalms. I know those little prophet books are quite difficult to to find. And we started a new series today called Jonah. And um, we're going to be taking about four or five Sundays going through the book and allowing God to speak to us through this. Uh, Today, I'm going to be giving an introduction and just an overview of of Jonah and the time that he lived in and what God had called him to do. So the book of Jonah tells the story of a prophet that ran away from God, how God stopped him and turned him back. I am fairly confident that I can guess most of you first heard of the story of Jonah when you were at Sunday school or you read a kid's Bible. Is that true? Veggie Tales. Does anybody remember Veggie Tales and the cucumber? I think Jonah was the cucumber. So the problem with that, it's lovely, it's good. You've got a foundation of what the story is about, but... um, Kids' Bible stories don't uh, maybe only share one moral principle about 
be nice to other people. But that's not what we're wanting God to speak to us about here. So in the next couple of uh, weeks, we're going to try and clear away the vegetation and allow the Lord to speak directly to our hearts. It's a great story about God pursuing an individual because of the love that he had for a nation of people. If you look at this um, book, it's a bit different to the other prophetic books. If you read, if you turn to the next book in your Bible, Micah, it is about the prophet Micah, but about his prophecies. So we read his prophecies, and that's where we learn from, from the word. This story is the only prophetic book which talks about the actual prophet. So we're reading Jonah's story. There's only one line in this book that talks about his, the actual words that he used and his prophecies. And that's when he speaks to, uh, to Nineveh. So it's a little bit different with regards to that. The story that we, or, or the concept that we are going to discover in this book is the incredible love that God has for people, not just for the Jewish nation, the Israelites, but for a pagan nation, the Ninevites, the Assyrians. Jonah is a historical narrative. I had to read that up and just clarify what it meant to all the English teachers. It's basically telling the story, telling what happened in a story form. So it's classified as a historical narrative. And some scholars might think that Jonah is a parable and not true. And I did a bit of reading this week. I am leaning a little bit more towards it being the truth. A lot of people find it difficult to believe that Jonah was swallowed by a fish and lived for, for three days. But the thing that starts to convince me is that Jesus makes reference to Jonah in Matthew 12. And he refers to Jonah um, spending the three days in, in the fish and uh, talking about his death and his resurrection. So there's a, a little bit of background for you. And we are going to be working through chapter one together. So can I see your Bibles? You've got your Bibles? I see a lot of screens. Okay, I'm... Let's read together. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Jonah served as a prophet to Israel, but not only Israel, to a pagan nation called uh, Assyria. There were only one or two prophets who gave prophetic words to the non-Israelites. It was, it was Jonah and Nahum. But most of the prophets who were a spokesperson for the Heavenly Father, they gave their words to the nation of Israel at a time when it was quite violent and chaotic. And that's where most of the prophets did their work. Jonah specifically, he did bring a word to the, uh, King Jeroboam II, uh, talking about the, the uh, land that he would gain back from the Assyrians. But that's the only time that we really read about him in the Bible with regards to, to Israel. Jonah's name means dove or pigeon. And I found this quite interesting because he doesn't seem to be as gentle as a dove when we see his response and what God has called, called him to do. So um, dis, 
positionally, he is seen as a strong-willed, restless, hasty, and snobbish person. Who is, who, and you'll see at the end of the book, he actually sits under a tree and he sulks. So this is the prophet of God. This is the, the personality that he has. Politically, he loved Israel. He was a patriot. He was a nationalist. He absolutely loved his nation. I think he had Israel pajamas when he went to sleep in the evenings. Religiously, he professed the fear of the Lord. And we read about it. He says, God is the God of heaven and of earth, land and sea. So he professes that. But it's this, um, we see his initial disobedience. His initial response to the word that God gave him was one of, no, no, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to Nineveh. And then when he does go to Nineveh, he's reluctant. So here, um, Jonah is confessing that God is great and mighty and he fears him, but his actions don't really measure up to the words that he says. Verse 2, the word of the Lord came saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now, Nineveh was an incredible city. It was a great city. It was a rising uh, power. It eventually became the capital of Assyria. Assyria was uh, an incredible world power at that time. If we had to liken it to a, a nation today, it would most probably be America, Russia, China, uh, a great, great nation. Just their presence was known uh, in the world. The Syrians were extremely brutal and cruel. And I want you to think about this now. The people that God asked Jonah to go to, these were the type of people. When they went into battle and when they defeated their enemy, they skinned them alive. So take this into consideration where maybe Jonah was a little bit reluctant to go to Nineveh because the Syrians had captured a bit of the north of Israel. So they've already taken away some land. And remember, he's a patriot. And he's like, oh man, these guys have got a portion of our land. And they're pretty aggro. Jonah doesn't really have a lot to say about Nineveh's wickedness. But the prophet Nahum says the, the following. Nahum refers to the evil plots that they had against God. The exploitation of the helpless, cruelty in war, idolatry, prostitution, and witchcraft. So, God didn't ask Jonah to please go to his neighbor and tell him that he had a, an encouragement for him. There was something seriously put before Jonah, which he had to consider. And this is the position that he was in. How does he respond? Verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What did he do? He's a prophet of God. Most of the prophets were, would avail themselves to what God wanted to do and find delight in bringing the word. He didn't respond that way. He ran. Jonah had grown up hating the Syrians. 
and, and fearing their atrocities. His hatred was so strong that he didn't want them to receive God's mercy. And he says that in, in chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, he actually goes on to say that I would rather die. Lord, let me die. Because I think in his mind, maybe he was thinking, if I die, they will not hear about God's mercy. That's as far as Jonah was willing to take it. Jonah's attitude was representative of Israel's attitude towards the rest of the world. In Genesis 12 verse 3, God had given Israel a message to go through the Abrahamic covenant, to go and tell the world about the Messiah and our heavenly father. And they chose not to do this. This is what was happening in the the nation of Israel. Israel had been charged to reveal this message, but somehow they did not grasp the full importance of it. They lost sight of what God had called them to do. And folks, I wanna encourage you today, God has called each and every one of you to something specific. Do not lose sight as to what he wants to do through your life. Perhaps some of you have been like Jonah where God has spoken to you about something and you choose to go another route. I I really believe today God is saying to you, turn around, come back. He wants to fulfill his plans through your lives. Jonah knew that God had a specific job for him to do. He was a reluctant prophet and the mission he had wasn't, was distasteful to him. He didn't see it as something worth living for. Let's continue reading. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah was most probably hoping that if he left Jerusalem, if he left Palestine, that the Spirit of God would not follow him and that he would be safe. He convinced himself that this trip would relieve him of the responsibility that God had given to him. And let's, uh, let's take this personally here. When, when I talk about God wanting to do something amazing through our lives, it's not something massive like go to India and start a church. It may be something as simple as maybe God prompts you to pay for the person's groceries in front of you at the, at the, at the store. That is God speaking to you. Often then we have this battle in our hearts where we want to rush off and try and escape the presence of God because it's like, Lord, that person's bill is way beyond my budget for this week. But God desires us to respond in obedience to those nudgings in our hearts. So Tarshish was most probably the most western port in the Mediterranean Sea. He hopped on a boat and he was ready to go west. Nineveh was about 800 miles northeast of Jerusalem. If you look at your map in your Bible, you can't see two further points, points from each other, east and west. Tarshish and Nineveh are the, at the extremes. He was looking for the furthest place to go to escape from God. When God gives us directions through his word and through his spirit, sometimes we respond with fear and stubbornness. I'm just using the word that Eugene used this morning. 
Sometimes we respond where we want to do our own thing. No, Lord, this is, this is my life. You know, I'm, um, I've given you my life, but there's certain areas which I'm, I'm holding on to a bit. I'm not willing to give you everything. And I believe also God is, is, is challenging us on that today. He wants everything. God didn't just want Jonah to declare with his mouth that he believed in him. He wanted him to live out with actions. Verse 4. But when the Lord, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Quite clearly, Jonah was not going to escape the presence and influence of God. God sent a storm, and he caused the circumstances to bring Jonah face to face with the the call that God had on his life. Please take this moment and think back in your life to when you first met God, to when you first made a decision to follow Jesus, to that time where you had an understanding of what this life was all about and, and um, scroll through your life to this very day. Have there been moments in your life where you've maybe veered off and there have been circumstances where God has drawn you back? I know in my life there has been. And it hasn't always been easy moments. There have been quite tough moments. But if I look back to see how God has worked, I know that it is for my best and that God wants to develop something in, in my life. But God will, create, will, will manage circumstances around your life to try and guide you in the right direction. Verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God. They hauled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah's disobedience and his running away didn't just affect him. It affected other people. It affected the sailors in a, neg- in a negative degree here. They were, trying, they were fighting for their lives. And what I want to say here is you are created in a specific way where God's going to use you to reach a specific group of people. And I'm not talking ethnicity, I'm just talking people around you. We all connect with different types of people in different ways. But for for you to not allow God to work His will through your life, the people on the receiving end may not receive the work that God has for their life. We, We play a role in God's plan here on earth. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and he had lain down and was fast asleep. So here, Jonah, the storm is, is getting incredibly bad. And he has fallen asleep at the bottom of the ship. Jonah's actions apparently did not bother his conscience. And what I want to say to you here is just because you don't have a guilty conscience doesn't mean that what you are doing is right. We cannot be led by our emotions or by our feelings. We need to be led by the word of God and also by that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. God had obviously been speaking to Jonah and he just kept trying to block God's voice. He went down to Joppa. He went down to the port. He went down into the bottom of the ship. Pierre will be speaking more about that next, next week. 
and he kept moving further and further away from God to the point maybe where his conscience was just so seared that he did not respond to any prompting that the Spirit had for him. It's a dangerous place to be where we, we push that still small voice away from us because if we continue to do that, it's not a loud blaring voice. It's a still small voice that guides us. I remember when I was at university and one of my greatest friends, um, he did something which hurt me. You know, it was just something that he, he said and it, it happened over a period of time. But I found it didn't happen in an instant. He just started to treat me a little bit differently and things got a bit weird. But I took offense in my heart and I got to the point where I was like, ah, oh, I can't stand this guy. You know, I was like, I was enjoying beating him up in my heart. I was like, I need to go to Tarshish quickly and beat him up. You know, we was having a McGregor uh, Mayfeather event happening in my, in, in my heart. But I got to the place where I... God was speaking to me, I was being held more captive than my friend. He just carried on with life. I was held back by this unforgiveness and this offense in my heart. And I tried to convince myself that what he had done to me was worth the, uh, the punishment that he was getting from me. Until I got to the place where, where God really spoke to me clearly and he said, Ricky, you are not going to be free of this unless you make a decision in your heart. And what he did to me was wrong, but I had to respond in a righteous way. And I had lost sight of what God was doing in, in my life. I'd lost sight of that moment. Jonah had lost sight of what God wanted to do through his life. Stay sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Verse six. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Verse seven, and they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. Isn't that quite funny to think that God even used a pagan practice of casting lots to point towards Jonah. God was determined to reach Jonah's heart. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? And in the midst of Jonah running away, God provides him an opportunity to share with people who didn't believe in God. I mean, how more clear and how much more of an opportunity is that for you to speak to someone about God. Often we have to, if we're in conversation with someone and we try and lead the conversation to the point where, okay, I can speak to them about God now. These sailors were saying, tell us, who are you? Who do you serve? Where do you come from? Jonah says, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? It almost senses that the sailors knew how great this God was and they thought he was mad because he was running away from God. 
For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quieten down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. We cannot seek the love of God and then run for his, from his plans for our life. We, we cannot, we are going to be very, uh, what's the right word? We, we are not going to enjoy our lives if we do not give ourselves fully to God. We're going to be very dissatisfied. We can declare that we love God and, and yes, it's, it, it's awesome being a Christian, and that, but God doesn't just want that. He wants everything from us. Absolutely everything. He couldn't get away from God. And here, Jonah responds by saying, throw me into the water. And perhaps he did come to his senses to a degree, reluctantly. And maybe he thought just, okay, I'm not going to get away from this. Um, Let me, let these guys throw me over and let's see what God does. Here we see that Jonah had more compassion for the sailors than he did for the Ninevites. And again, he had been blinded by everything that was happening in his life. Verse 13, nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. The sailors responded with so much compassion to Jonah because they didn't throw him initially into the water. They tried to save him also. They cared for Jonah. Verse 14, therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hauled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Here we can see God's love being displayed for a group of men who did not know him. He answered their prayer. They, if you read that portion prior to that, they cried out to their gods. They, were, they lived in a polytheistic environment. There were many gods. So they obviously were praying and going through the list. None of the gods were responding. And then they said, okay, let's try Jonah's God. And Jonah's God responded. And in life, we often try a lot of gods you know, until we uh, um, then find the Heavenly Father. Sometimes it takes us a while. But God responded by answering their prayer. They respond by giving sacrifices and offerings to God. Verse 17. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And I'm going to stop there with my text reading this morning. I'm going to ask Brian to come and join me. And just to take this moment, we've read the story, we've got the context, so how does that apply to me now? How, how do I respond to this? And in my prayer this week, I felt the Lord just remind me of a moment in, in my life. Um, I may have shared it a while back, some of you have maybe heard 
uh, when I recommitted my life, I decided to follow Jesus when I was in uh, standard six, grade eight. And my best friend shared uh, the gospel with me very simply. And I just had this tugging in my heart and I knew I needed to respond. And for the next six to seven years, I tried to discover this, this life. You know, what, what does it mean? I always felt there was more. I needed to give more. So lived quite a, an average Christian life through high school until I got to university where I went to a, a church service in Cape Town. And the thing that the Lord reminded me of is that that day when, when the, the pastor preached, I don't remember his message. I have no, I can't remember the title of the message. I, I cannot even remember what he spoke about. But what I can remember is how God touched my life. And I made a decision that day to give everything to God. And it completely, completely, completely changed my life. And I have a great sense in my heart that God wants to do that for all of us. He may have already done that for you. There may be some of you here today and you've, you've been running like Jonah. You've, you've had a portion of God and you're happy with that. Well, maybe deep down you're not happy, but you think you're happy. And I can say with full confidence that you will not find that happiness and that joy in life unless you have given your life completely to God. So what does that mean? Does, do I need to pray more? Do I need to read the Bible more? No, you need to open up your heart. And I know that God is after hearts this morning. And he's after you personally. He's more interested in you as a person than what you can do for him. And I think Jonah lost sight of who God was. He lost sight of this incredible God. He was a prophet. He knew all the, the words. He had re read everything. He had met the other prophets. They formed a group under Elisha's leadership. So he, he knew it. But somehow his, his heart died to the point of where he just didn't hear God's voice anymore. And I do believe God is, is tugging at our hearts. He wants more from us. In prayer this morning, we had an incredible picture. Joni was just sharing how she sensed God is saying to us, we, we've passed through the Jordan. So uh, the, the nation came through Egypt, through the Red Sea. They were in the wilderness. And then God was taking them into the promised land. And they had to pass through the Jordan River. But Joni just had a great sense that we were all standing on the, on the promised land side of the Jordan, not on the wilderness side. And we believe that God is saying to us that he wants us to step into that. It was the next generation of people. And they didn't want anyone to, left behind, to be left behind. There, were, there weren't people who stayed on the other side of the bank. They all came through together. And I believe this is a prophetic picture of what God wants to do in our hearts this morning. He wants us all to cross through the Jordan. And what happened at that moment? The, the new generation of, of men were circumcised and God's promises were reinstated into that, that nation. So I'm gonna pray for us and won't you please respond in your heart this morning. Let's pray together. Father, when we read the story, Lord, we see 
that everyone and everything of the book of Jonah, the storm, the lots, the sailors, the great fish, the people of Nineveh, the vine, the worm, and the east wind, they all obeyed your voice, except the prophet himself. And God, I pray this morning that as we come before you as as a church, as we come before you as your sons and daughters, Lord, we open our hearts to you. God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit in a way that we have never experienced. Lord, our cry this morning is that we have more of you. Our cry, God, is that you become everything in our lives. And I want you just to take this moment, just bring before God areas in your life which you feel have been competing with God. The Bible talks about God sitting on the throne of our hearts and that represents his lordship in our lives. But sometimes he's not sitting on the throne of our hearts. Sometimes he's, he's standing beside that throne and there's other stuff. Yeah. And if you desire for God to, to help you establish him in that place today, I just want you to, to respond in your heart. You can lift up your hands. You can hold out your hands in whatever way you, you seem fit. And just bring this before God. If you have a desire to bring everything in your life before God to His Lordship, I know that God today is going to respond with grace and He's going to help you. He's going to help you make Him number one in His life. Father, we bring those areas in our lives which have caused us to lose sight of your plans for our lives, which has caused us to lose sight of your purposes for us as a, as a, as a body of believers. And God, I pray that you would pour out your grace, pour out your Holy Spirit, that you would lead us into something new as Joni and, and the prayer team just felt this morning. Lord, that you, we are stepping into the promised land and that you have got incredible things lined up for us. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness where we have put other things in front of you. Even with our day-to-day lives, God, in the way that we respond, we often don't respond in a godly way. But we desire to do that, Lord. We do desire that you would lead us in that. Folks, I want to encourage us as a church. God has called us to something. This ministry and this message of reconciliation is given to us. And it's in, it's in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 and 19. He's called us as a local body to go, to go to the world and to share this good news. But my encouragement to all of us is that we would pursue God and Jesus like never before because that's going to be the fuel in our hearts. That's going to be the thing that drives us. I don't want to go and reach the world because 2 Corinthians 5 tells me I must. I want to go because of the passion that I feel for God. And that moment that I responded back in university, I was finished. I was undone. And God completely changed my life. 
And that, that incredible joy and love that I experienced from God has been the one thing that drives me my entire life. And there have been moments where I've veered off to Tarshish, but thank you, Lord, that you are graceful and your mercy abounds. And um, may you experience the grace of God in your lives today as you pursue what he's called you to do, as we pursue him as a church to what he's called us to do. And yeah, thank you, Lord.